Hey, Costa. How you doing today, buddy? Well, I've been with you all day so far. And what, do we still have another so few hours you, left? So you've had an amazing, amazing day. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm absolutely exhausted. And we still Am got I more to go. Draining? We have a parent presentation tonight in an hour and a half. You're essentially spending 12 hours with me straight today. Yeah. I spend more time with you than, than I spend with my family and my wife. Cheers to that. Yeah, right. <laughs> the life... I'm, I'm doing your family a service. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> they would probably agree with you. <laughs> oh, man. So what did you, um, what did you do this week? Anything good? So uh, my buddy, who is like the one of the least spontaneous people that I've ever met in my entire life. More than me? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so Father Jeff. Father oh, Jeff. okay. Yeah, very, yeah. very. He's here today. Yeah. He was helping out today with confessions. Uh, he, call, he calls me up at about four o'clock yesterday and he says, Dave, Dave, do you want to go see the Batman movie? I was like, yeah, sure. When do you want to go watch it? And he goes... How's tonight? And I was like, yeah, sure. I got nothing going on. Is everything okay? <laughs> so we ended up watching it at like nine o'clock last night. It's, isn't it three hours or something? I That's did not Ricky realize was it was going to be like three hours. Yeah, it was three hours. <laughs> so I'm intrigued by it because after the good experience I had with, with Spider-Man that we all know. Yeah. Um, I, I want to see it. Ricky saw it. I think I think Liam and Thomas, my other two sons, saw it. I, I haven't talked to them about it. So we're actually wondering, should we do a podcast about it, get Nolan back in? Oh, is, right. there, is there substance there to do it? Well, there, there is a, uh, there's some stuff there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I've, I've never been a big Batman fan mm-hmm. myself. I became more of a Batman fan with Christian Bale mm-hmm. uh, and his, his version of Batman. You know what it is? I'm comparing... Robert Pattinson to to Christian Bale, and okay. I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, even like the directors, you oh, know, yeah. the, but their cuts are different. The um, visual layouts, the lighting. Oh yeah, they, no. I find to be very different movies. All of these types of uh, superhero Definitely. ones. Yeah, yeah. No, this was def- a different feel right from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, like you knew it right from the start. Was it a long three hours? That that's my hesitancy of going to see it as opposed to waiting until it, it comes out on HBO Max. I I don't. Um, you know, like I was also a little tired, mm-hmm. so like I felt at moments it was for me it was dragging because I was like, all right, wait, like, yeah. But it was nine o'clock at night. Yeah, and that's fair. <laughs> and it was a free ticket for me, so like, right. <laughs> and yeah, the reclining chairs. <laughs> Those are unreal. <laughs> they are. Oh man. Uh, but I, I have such a small attention span. I mean, twenty seconds into one of your homilies, I'm somewhere else. <laughs> so you know that. <laughs> Yeah, so it doesn't matter if it's something like with some t- substance or not. You're 20 seconds. I'm gone. Your, your own wife could be talking to you. Um, no, that would be nothing that would ever happen in real life, Father Dave. <laughs> almost. I almost got you on on record. Nope. <laughs> Never. But I really thought that, like, for those movies, you need you need a really epic bad guy. And I do love their interpretation of, of the Riddler. I grew up with the Adam West series. Oh, I did too. So I'm like, still struggling that that's not who's being portrayed right now. <laughs> yeah. With the terrible jokes, the terrible jokes. Robin went to discotheque. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like the Riddler jumping around in spandex, right? <laughs> <laughs> Riddle me this, right? Uh, even like Jim Carrey's version of uh, the Riddler. To see the Riddler in this film. Mm-hmm. They took a totally different spin on it. Really? Oh, yeah. And it's like, 
it's it's dark. It's it's he's like more portrayed as a as serial killer, okay. kind of like bad, and he ties in other bad guys in the Batman drama. Okay, which was I th- I thought the storyline and and how he uh, how he intertwined the riddles mm-hmm. with the other bad guys and the the essentially the theme of how they ended up why he wants to go after Batman so bad, I thought they did an amazing job with that. So I appreciate those things. Oh, no, that was Some that really was well writing. done. Yeah. You didn't see that coming at all. Was the Joker in it? Was he one of the guys that brought back? Did you sleep through that? Hard to tell. Gotcha. Hard okay. to tell. Did you see the Joker when it was out? The last one? No, but uh, uh, oh, Joaquin Phoenix? Fantastic. I, I, that just looks so dark. <laughs> you know, but it was dark, but, but they really... I thought the writing on that one was spectacular. I mean, Batman, I, I don't think is in it, right? It's not a Batman movie. But I think he, it's his origin story. They, yeah, they, they that's what an it origin is. That's story. correct. That's what it is. And But they re, there, there are parts of it where you're actually rooting for him because you could see how society has turned their back on him. You know? That's what a and lot then, of the kids told me. Yeah, yeah. And then it, it's the weirdest thing because now you find yourself rooting on some level for someone who's psychotic and a murderer. It's like, well, that's really excellently done, folks. And you catch yourself, wait, wait, what am I rooting for here? But they do bring out some societal issues, how we, how we turn our backs on those in the structural way that we care for people. Um, that, you know, sometimes people are, um, are just left abandoned, you know, and, yeah. and obviously this takes it to the nth degree. Yeah, the thing I could give some leniency to and, and like some more time for like Robert Pattinson to develop his the Batman, uh, you know, his character is it's it's different than with Christian Bale because it's they give you the origin story in those three and they build up those three movies in that trilogy into to who he is, his identity, where like where kind of he he finds himself. Right. With Pattinson, you've already you're getting a Batman who's years down the road uh, of of being the Batman. Okay. Uh, and so it's a it's a darker version of himself and and like where he is. Like it's not the origin story. It's okay. You kind of catch him almost after uh, like the Ben Affleck years okay. of, of like the Batman. So it's like a lot has happened in his life. At least that's the way I understood it. I feel like the experience people have had has been surprisingly good. Yeah, that's what yeah, I've I heard. Thought the expectations were a little bit lower for it. Yeah, the, I didn't. Um, I went into it with no expectation because, like, if he didn't ask me to go watch yeah. it, I probably wouldn't have watched it. Gotcha. Yeah, it surprised me when you said you saw it. Good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because so, I got done at midnight, and I was like, Aish. only a few more hours, and we're hearing confessions. <laughs> well, you you are remarkably chipper because from really eight o'clock until two thirty today, uh, without a break other than a thing of water and maybe a sandwich, you, you are hearing confessions. I loved it. And, and that's something we had. We had some priests here from the diocese today, but you've also been doing that in other schools as well. Yeah. And it really is, I, I will say there, there are parts of, uh, there are parts of life I wish I could do. Um, and hearing confessions would be one of them because from the priests I've talked to you, uh, definitely it, it seems to be one of the more humbling and soul changing things that that one could do it's you are in the position of with other people of meeting them at their most vulnerable moments of their life um 
and and it's it's a it's a place where you encounter you know that the healing that the really the healing love of Jesus and um and faith mm-hmm. you know uh you know so often you know we we can go about our day and 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 sometimes the line comes to me you know when we sometimes you know a little discouragement seeps in and, and like that one line from scripture like if the son of man comes back will he find faith on earth hmm. and it's it's in the confessional that you you see it uh because you know, there's a very large percentage of the student body that doesn't go to go to mass on Sundays. You know, and uh, I think it reflects society. It reflects the yeah, yeah the parents it, and whatnot. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like you know, our Catholic school is we're not living in a in a vacuum. Panacea, we're, right? we're, we're part of you know a larger societal uh, religious problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. If I could, if I said that, that right. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And and so so. For us, when we pose the option to go to confession, and even if they might disagree with what they're being taught in religion class, because a lot of the times they're so comfortable with you or I, yeah. they'll say, oh, yeah, I don't really believe that. Right. But then to voluntarily go to confession because like intuitively, like spiritual intuition says like, mm-hmm. there is something to this. When I go yeah. to confession, I feel better about myself. Yeah. It, it it really is a beautiful thing. I on days like this, I'm I'm kind of doing the Disney pre-show before we send them into you, and you know, no 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 flash photography and that right. type of thing. Um, but one of the things I was saying to them, as it occurred to me, as my thoughts were developing during the day, as I would repeat it, is the idea that you know sometimes we we go to a doctor and we're not kind of have these mild symptoms, sometimes like major systems, symptoms, uh, but but there's something wrong with like, we know there's something wrong with, that's why we're going to the doctor. The doctor, he or she may prescribe us some medication that's going to gradually make us better, hopefully. And I was I was saying to the kids, because it occurred to me as I was saying that, that, that the sacrament of reconciliation is the opposite. We may not even realize that these things are burdening us. There may be almost yeah. like a lethargy in us, but, the, you know, a soul division, however you want to say it. And we, we, until we almost force ourselves to go, accept the invitation to go. But then when, when we walk out, we feel better immediately. And it was so yeah. beautiful today when, when I did the first one. And it was, I have to, I will confess, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, I right, please get up and go. Because we have them in a different room and then we invite them into, you know, to line up. And I'm thinking, yeah. all right, please let them go. And they got up. Yeah. You know, and it was it was pretty much every every single period. Uh, so much so that a lot of times we had to give them passes, either go back to class late or come back tomorrow. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, and to me, like when when you said it, it, it kind of summed up the reality of the experience today, uh, which was, you know, hundreds mm-hmm. of students went to confession today. Yeah. And uh, and it was great to see some of the faculty. We, mm-hmm. we we gave them the caveat that they could cut the line, and, <laughs> and you know during their free period. So so to experience um, as you had mentioned to the kids at one point uh, in your little Disney pre uh, pre show there uh, that healing is taking place, mm-hmm. uh, like the like the ripple the like the ripple uh, of a lake when we throw a rock in it mm-hmm. of, of sin ripples out and affects so many. Uh, and and hurts so many when we sin in the in the community. When we go to confession, we're we're, we're retracting it. Yeah, like the the Lord is 
he's descending peace upon the community. The community, and very, and the reality has to be not that anybody would ever know it, but the the sins that are being asked for forgiveness are are sins that have negatively affected another student. Yeah. You know, so the healing is taking place there. Exactly spiritually yeah. before before it goes to the next level. Yeah. You know? That yeah, that pond. I like that that yeah. pond image, right? So if you want to use it, I'm giving you permission. That's going to be in like a homily on Sunday. <laughs> Probably. That was one of those things after I said it, I said, wow, that actually makes sense. <laughs> You're like Michael Scott. Exactly. When he says, like, sometimes, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> sometimes I start a sentence and I don't know where it's going. <laughs> Many times. <laughs> so last week we started having students on and we had um, – we had um, Paige and, and Mark Anthony uh, talk, and we record that on Ash Wednesday, and they were talking about some of the things that we're giving up. So we're going to move now um, to uh, another student. This was also recorded on Ash Wednesday, uh, but I, I really think you're going to enjoy this. So uh, take a listen. So we're here with Ashley, who is a senior at St. John's. Hi, so welcome, everyone. Ashley. Thank you for having me. It's very, very cool to have you. And thank you for taking time up to, to come in and chat with us a little bit My about pleasure. Lent. So we just had our, um, our Advent... Uh, Wow. <laughs> See, this is a thing. Do you know what I did? I sent an email to the faculty this morning and said, welcome to Advent. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I have this. The like, whole world is turned upside down right now. It's okay. You get a pass. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I hope my colleagues will do the same. But we just came from um, our, Ash Wednesday, um, our Ash Wednesday service and just want to really ask you what you what you're thinking about this Lent. How, what are you looking forward to? How do you think it, it could progress to understand and, and appreciate Easter a little bit? Yeah. Well, I mean, Lent has always been a season where I try to make some sort of sacrifice. Some years I've been more successful than other years, which is totally fine. Sure. Um, for me, my relationship with God in general and just being a Catholic has been quite the journey. And I feel like it it does put a lot into what I want to do this Lent. I really do want to further my relationship with Christ, which is kind of the main purpose of Lent. But I want to further my belief and my trust in Him. Oh, wow. Because it I'll be honest, at certain points in my life, I didn't have as much belief and trust as I should have in him. My father, he was diagnosed with stage four angiosarcoma cancer, which is the rarest Mm -hmm. on our planet, um, right before I was born. And doctors said that he would probably live for about six months, but he ended up living for 11 years. So that's a miracle in my book. And that definitely helped further my faith. But losing a parent, sure. it, you always have the question of, like, why me? God, why did you take this person away from me? So through that, I went through many, many times where I I didn't have a strong belief. And I, I felt that there was just so much evil in my life and God wasn't trying to help me, that he wasn't walking with me, which I know now is not true because I've, I've done a lot of, mm-hmm. like, discovery. But this Lent, I really want to further that. I feel like I'm going in the right direction and I just got to keep going to further believe in in God's plan, even if it makes no sense in the moment. Sometimes when we go through hardships, you got to believe in God's plan. What what a beautiful, beautiful testimony, because there there would be some that experienced, that would have experienced the loss of a parent at that that really special age for you. Oh, yeah. You know, when when turning in from childhood to adolescence, you know, Mm -hmm. and and to, to honestly struggle with that is beautiful. I... 
I think that's such an important part of our faith journey is okay. is the struggle. Um, we we don't want to be spoon fed our whole lives and right. and just repeat the answers that we've heard uh, because you could tell it doesn't it's not imprinted in our hearts. Yeah. And for you to get through that struggle and and if you're like every other person on the planet, there's going to be other ones moving forward. Definitely, no, you know? it's it's not my last one. I know right. that. <laughs> and you know, after I lost him, I experienced my own personal struggles with anxiety and mm-hmm. the trauma that came from losing a parent and and worrying about losing the other one and, you know, having all those problems. But I pray every night and I I pray to God that he keeps the right people in my life. I always say that like God knows what you can handle and he won't give you something that you can't handle. Mm -hmm. So I just pray that he, he gives me what um, he knows is right for me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was a very, very delicate age to lose a parent. And before that he was actually paralyzed for a couple of years. He broke his back. So that journey, my mom and I took care of him together, which brought my mom and I very close. And sure. God bless me with her. I love her to pieces. Um, and she instilled that faith in me through the whole time. My father was Jewish, mm-hmm. um, but I was raised Catholic. And my mom prayed with him every night regardless. And she would douse him in holy water and oh my Lord. you know, wow. make him, not make him, but encourage him to kind of join in our practices and just believing, you know, yeah. you don't have to be Catholic necessarily, right. but she just, she instilled that in me while we were taking care of him. And although he didn't win the war per se, he won a lot of battles that he wasn't supposed to yeah. to live through. So, and you know what, actually like your story telling this is there's like thousands of people that listen to this there, that, that story is going to more people now. Yeah. And the other thing I was thinking, as you were saying that, what a beautiful example of marriage that Definitely. that your oh parents gosh. that your parents gave you to yeah. to get through that adversity because we know that sometimes adversity drives people apart. It does. It doesn't and bring that, and together. And I get sad. why that happens. Yeah. You know? it, it's understandable that it yep. happens because it's when you go through something you tend to focus on yourself and you lose sight of right. other things going on. Um, my parents, they got married very late in life. My mom had me when she was 42. Okay. And um, they got married when my mom was 38. So mm-hmm. they definitely waited for each other. You know, they, right, they, right. they were put together for a reason. I think that God knew, you know, that my father was possibly going to get sick and he needed like an earth angel like my yeah, mother yeah, yeah. who was strong enough to stay with him because she the reality is she could have left him upon hearing a diagnosis sure. yeah. she could have said like this is what's best for my family i'm sorry i need to go but she said no i love you i'm gonna stay i believe in god the father and mm-hmm. i'm i'm gonna stay with you and take care of you and and be that nurturing soul if i can so and and what joy that you must have brought to him as well yeah i you mean know? he it was hard to do a lot with him, you know, mm-hmm. because he was going through chemo and all these things that were, you know, prohibiting him from really going out and doing what dads and daughters might do. But we found our own ways to have fun. We like collected basketball cards and we oh. made like model airplanes and cars and stuff. He was he was so active. He was a pilot. He had a motorcycle. Oh he Lord. was the wow. manager of his own company. Like uh-huh. so hanging out with him, I, I hope that I did bring him joy and I think most of all, I brought him joy through music, which is something I do. I Mm -hmm. sing, I write songs, I play instruments, and he was a guitarist. Okay. I still have his guitar. So when he was sick, I would try to show him videos of me singing at concerts and and things like that. And I I hope that I brought him joy through that, too. 
That is so beautiful. I'm holding back a little bit here. I just <laughs> no, it's fine. Normally, you. you're sitting where Father Dave normally sits, so I'm usually <laughs> looking at his face. And and but now, like you're stirring up emotion. That's really Aww. really beautiful. So thank you. Thank can you. you can you talk a little bit about um, the podcast that you do? Yeah, and then where people can can get it because uh, sure. you told me a little bit before we started recording, and it sounds fascinating. Thank you. Well, yeah, I started hosting my own show called Teen Talk, which I started. Gee, when was it? July of 2020, so like right in the middle of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. and I had been doing kind of radio interviews since I was around 13 because, you know, I had a story that I felt someone could benefit from hearing. I wanted to share my story that I just briefly shared with you guys, and um, I met an amazing, another earth angel named Steve Vaccaro, who was running those interviews, interviewing me when I was younger, and he offered me my own show because he had the faith in me. So you were a sophomore in high school at the time? I, or yeah, between sophomore and junior year, It right? was between sophomore and junior year, and I met him when I was a freshman. So wow, that's, okay. high school is when it all really started for me, and he gave me full creative liberty with my show, which I'm very grateful for. Wow. So uh, I host it every Thursday. It's 6 to 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. You can find it on Facebook and YouTube. And what's the name of it again? It's called Teen Talk. Teen if you Talk, look okay. up the Chapters Rap, that's the name of like the network that we're on. Sure. So if you look that up on Facebook and YouTube, and then it's also on cable for us New Yorkers. On Fridays at seven, channel one fifteen. Really? Yeah, oh, that's I'm so very cool. very blessed. I it's been a crazy ride. I I used to have to write out like all the questions I was going to ask my guest. I used to have to interview like three people per show because I couldn't hold an interview for longer than like ten minutes. Sure. But now I try to interview like one or two people a week who have inspirational stories, and we I believe that we all have a story to share, mm-hmm. whether that's a story of faith or. Something else, you know, I, I've interviewed cancer survivors and doctors, musicians, just people who want to do good in the world. Recently, I interviewed a couple who goes around renovating houses for people with disabilities, wow. making it more accessible for them. So uh, I interview some really, really amazing people. These I, are things like you don't normally see in the news because yeah. they just put the bad things. And that, I actually have a little segment that I do on my show. I call it Happy Happenings. And okay. I play a little video every week of a good news segment because mm-hmm. usually on news stations you'll see like two minutes at the end where they do something happy <laughs> so sounds I like put, obligatory yeah i put like one of those little segments on each of my shows to make okay. it all positive i share positive quotes That's i sing awesome. positive songs i just try and make it a safe place for people to feel supported and it took a while for the show to develop into really what i knew the message i mainly wanted to share mm-hmm. but now i know i understand that that my message, I say at the end of every show, you might not be perfect, but you're limited edition. Mm-hmm. So I'm very transparent on my show about the fact that I went through stuff, anxiety and sure. the things with my father and and just the hope of encouraging at least one person to to know that you don't have to be perfect. It's mm-hmm. okay to go through struggles and it's okay to lack in your faith. It's okay to lack in confidence as long as you know that there's people that can pick you back up again and that you have the capability to pick right. yourself back up again. So I really enjoy it. Is this something that you want to do in college? Like some it's, type of mass communication? It's funny. Everybody, everybody asked me that and I actually want to go to med school. Okay. Um, but I would love to minor in communications. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Everyone jokes like I should do like a Dr. Oz situation. Well, you know, it's funny. I was going to say those two, those two things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. You know, they're, because the, the more – my wife is, is a nurse and, oh, and, and she will say a lot of the biggest obstacles that she comes across is people's lack of education. And she's not judging them. Yeah. It's just because we have a hard 
hard time getting that information. And this was before the last two years started. That's yeah, a whole oh, nother yeah. you know, thing. Um, so that might be something you could combine those two and, and be such a great service to people. I, I think it is important to educate people. And like the med school thing I knew I always wanted to do, but it got solidified when I saw my dad sick. You know, he had sure. countless amounts of surgeries and I was always in the hospital with him. And I watched these people save his life and literally bring him back from almost dying multiple times. And I was like... I know this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And like today I start shadowing at Good Sam, the hospital across the street from here. So um, it it's a real blessing. But I would love to, even if I don't do it professionally, I'd love to continue sure. inspiring people. You know, I don't plan on stopping that. I, I'd love to keep doing my show. I hope I can do it through college. And, you know, I've done some things with pageantry too. Okay. I have a New York title right now. So a lot of people think it's about smiling and waving, and uh -huh. sometimes it is, but with the systems that I work with, it's all about like community service. Nice. So I hope to continue to do that, too, okay. regardless. So I'm really excited. So one more time, the show is called Teen Talk, yes. and it's on YouTube and Facebook at and what time on Thursdays? YouTube and Facebook, uh, 6 to 7. 6 sorry. to 7. 6 to 7, and okay. if you search up Chapters Wrap, okay. you should be able to find awesome. it there. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for thank doing this. You. It's such a blessing oh, for great. me to just be able to talk to you like this, and then have other people uh, hear what you're thinking about i hope someone got inspired somewhere. i have no doubt that'll be the case <laughs> thank, thank you. you so much ashley well we're in the, the second sunday of lent and yeah. uh, the church gives us some some interesting readings and i think we were seeing some connections that uh i had never noticed before so you want to yeah um do you want to start with the um the first reading is that the best place to start you think Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, you know, gang, I'm just going to read uh, just a particular piece here, just the first little paragraph okay. of the first reading from the book of Genesis. Okay. And then we'll break it open a little bit. Uh, I'd encourage you during the week at some point, uh, if you can, to look on um, maybe the, the USCCB website, uh, the United States Catholic uh, Bishops website for the readings or the Magnificat or... Uh, you know, word among us resources, uh, just to get the Sunday readings, just to ponder them. Uh, but we're just going to read the, like the first paragraph of this one. So it's coming from the book of Genesis. It's the Lord and Abraham. The Lord God took Abram outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if you can. Just so, he added, shall your descendants be. Abram put his faith in the Lord, who credited it to him as an act of righteousness. We'll always hear this in the scriptures, that Abraham is our father in faith. You know, we get a great example of what it means to be a faithful follower of the Lord from our father Abraham, coming all the way from the book of Genesis, from the very beginning. It's not because of one act that Abraham... Uh, is called, uh, you know, the, the, the father of faith. It is for a, a multitude of reasons throughout the journey of his life. For, for instance, like shortly after that little paragraph that we read, um, you know, uh, it, it, say, it describes how Abraham came from the land of Ur, uh, of the Chaldeans, um, who were people who like practice a lot of idolatry, and if you if you understand if we understand the Old Testament back then, uh, people traveled in packs. They did not they did not venture out on their own because when you were in a pack, you had security, mm -hmm. you had safety. Sure, right. 
there was strength in numbers. And there must have been just this incredible encounter that God had with Abraham. Yeah. For him to leave everything that was safe and secure in the land of Mesopotamia and say, I want you to go out and search for the, the land of milk and honey. I, I think you anticipated one of the things I was thinking about to to really try to do as we've been doing, or at least we've been trying to do, is personify these men and women in the mm-hmm. Bible and, and give some historical context. So so the, this, the city where he lived, uh, or is in, I think right now it would be southern Iraq, if you're looking to place it where it would be today. Um, and he's asking them to go, as you just said, to land of milk and honey, which we would now say is Israel. Mm-hmm. You can't go there straight because no. you're, you're going through a, a desert, you're going to die. So it was a pretty circuitous route that, that he took. And, and I have to say, you, you try to put yourself in the place of, of these people that we meet, these, these, uh, these faith models for us. Would I do that? Would I leave my home um, because I thought God was calling me? Well, I could say certainly if I knew it was God calling me, but I, I think I probably would doubt myself and say, wait, am I going nuts? Right. Is this really what God exactly. wants me? People are going to laugh at me. They're going to say, that's not God. It's exactly. like you because you want to do something. Yeah. He's leaving with his wife yeah. and a small band of his servants yep. you know, mm-hmm. and, and slaves and a, you know, that, that were going to follow him with his livestock. And we know from later on, his life wasn't set because we still have the they – he and Sarah were still dealing with the, the idea of children. Which, yeah, which it, comes out to play itself later in Genesis, yeah. but it's not like they would like this retired couple in Boca Raton with nothing to do, you know, <laughs> going to get like Jello, right? You know, <laughs> four o'clock dinner. Yeah, right. There go our Florida <laughs> listeners. <laughs> no, no. So it's 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 important uh, to understand that like, a, a, like Abram, like Abraham trusts in the promise, uh, like of offspring. Even like it, that, that he would be a, like one of many descendants, like God had like promised him that over and over again. Uh, and he believed it, but it's like he believed everything that he heard from the Lord, uh, like bearing, bearing children, even despite old age, hearing the voice of the Lord and, and taking off into the desert, mm-hmm. you know, building uh, like altars in the honor of the Lord after hearing his voice and, and being, you know, uh, saved at one point. Calls on the Lord for prayer at different moments, swears oaths, oaths by the name of the Lord. He did this multiple times. He wouldn't have left or he wouldn't have left unless, you know, he wouldn't have left, as you were saying before for like thinking he heard his own voice in his head or like a he, he had that faith he he had an encounter that was so impactful at that moment where it's undeniably something greater than himself mm-hmm. pulling him out and 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 saying okay I'm going to follow yeah um for me that was a that was that first moment happened for me when I was in our Lady of Perpetual Help in Lindenhurst. I was at an evening mass. I was about twenty years old, and I was involved in in Life Teen, you know, the uh, the youth ministry uh, organization mm-hmm. in that parish. And I could tell you exactly what pew I was sitting in. Wow! Um, and the, where the sun was crashing in through the, you know, the, it was a summer evening uh, into the church, you know, through the through the, the stained glass. And when the priest held up the body of Christ, 
it was almost as if he held it up a whole lot longer than mm-hmm. than he had ever done for the for the first time and that was that was the first time i heard the voice of the lord and i and i heard and i heard this like you come to you come to mass so that i can personally tell you i love you mm-hmm. and uh because my discernment up until that point was why am i doing this sure why am i coming here like, and I told the Lord, I said, like, I, I need you to make yourself known to me. I'm tired of thinking I'm hearing you and it's, it's clouded by, I think it's my own voice in right. my head. And sure enough, after a, a six months, a year of praying that prayer at mass, <clears throat> he, he did it. And I knew undeniable, without a shadow of a doubt that it was the voice of the Lord. Wow. And then you went on that that similar journey metaphorically to Abraham because you were probably doing something that people saying, was he crazy? Well, I mean, that, that was the thing. I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, well, then that, that, was the, that was the first step in the journey. That was, right. Yeah. And then but to take that step years, is like people typically don't understand why you're doing that. Right. What's wrong with you? Yeah. And then, and then a few years later, making that next yeah. you know, step. Mm-hmm. But like there was an undeniable moment that Abraham had. And no, no matter what the obstacles were, you know, like he sold Sarah to the Egyptians at one point, (laughs) you know, to save him, to save his own skin. I mean, the guy, the guy, the guy, he knew how to stay alive. That's for sure. Um, uh, he had a lot of faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, um, the faith that, that we see in Abraham is, is not necessarily the faith yet that we see when we get into the Gospels with Peter, no. with Peter, James, and John, because we have the story now of the Transfiguration, you know, and the uh, you know Jesus appearing in in dazzling white, and and with him are are Moses and Elijah. But one of the things that we wanted to point out to you, one aspect of this, is that um, Peter and I'm just reading now from the Gospel, Peter and his companions had been overcome by sleep, but became fully awake. They saw the glory and the two men standing with him. So they saw Andrew, um, Andrew, Peter, and James, Peter, James, and John with Moses and Elijah. So there were a lot of people on Mount Tabor. (laughs) They didn't have name tags. And (laughs) that's what happens when you're trying to think of something and say something else. By the way, that's an incredibly high mountain. Yeah, tell me about that. I, I've heard wonderful things about oh, it. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's so beautiful. But we had to, like, I had the opportunity to Good go there. Good save for me, the by the way. Man. Thank you for changing the topic. <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> right. that. Oh, okay. you one. How about my shoulders? <laughs> <laughs> so we had the opportunity to go. So we get in the coach bus, and we're driving up Mount Tabor. Mm-hmm. And we're driving, and we're driving, and we're driving. And we get about halfway up, three quarters of the way up. I think it was like three quarters of the way up and the bus stops. Mm-hmm. Then it says, all right, you got to get out now. And the, the, the road gets so narrow, the, the trail gets so narrow that the coach bus can't actually fit up there. Oh, wow. So you either take like these little carts or you, you walk it. Mm-hmm. So we ended up taking the carts because what happened was there was fog. There was a fog. Uh, they were calling for fog to come in. And if the fog came in, we were stuck up there because it would be so dense really? you couldn't see in front of you. Like it would have been dead, you would have, they would have drove off the road. So we took the carts going up, and you're at this. I mean, it's I, 
the three of them to like the so Peter, James, and John with the mm-hmm. Lord to walk that to the top of that mountain. Guess what? <laughs> they they must have been exhausted. That that definitely is so awesome to give a context because you know unless you've been there or you look on Google Maps or something, you know, is it a hill? Is it you know what is? Oh no, it? no, so it's, a know it's a legit mountain. mountain. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, those, those types of little nuggets are so important. As you're telling the story, though, would would our our bus driver Kenny Adams have been able to get through? Would Kenny have been able to do it? Kenny could do anything. We have a, a bus driver that's been <laughs> taking us on a lot of retreats that we've grown very very fond of, and he um, he's actually we invited him to speak at a faculty day of prayer. We might be the first team ever to ask the bus driver to come <laughs> talk. He is so awesome, though. Great guy. And I actually i I think I has gave lived the, many lives. He has, but he could have got up that. He could have got up. He could have. I have I have confidence in Kenny. And even if he couldn't have seen in front of him himself, mm-hmm. like it, it, right, I would have trusted. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gave the podcast to Kenny once, but he's too much of a sensible man. I don't think he listens. He probably won't. Hear <laughs> but one of the parts that we wanted to mention to you that um, I was reflecting on a little bit. We also have a um, we, we have the 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 apostles sleeping, and and it's interesting to ask what what that question's about. You know, and I think it could be very easily. Well, they were tired. You were saying it it was a high mountain, yeah. but it, it does speak to uh, another reality that we have of when we don't recognize Jesus around us, because we are sleeping through life. We are not engaged in life. We are trying to um, stay away from painful situations. Not engage in in whatever might be going on in 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 the things that are happening to us or the things that are happening to others. Um, and our solution to that is to stay away. Um, these guys have Jesus right near them, which is really kind of interesting, but they're kind of sleeping through it. Mm-hmm. And and do we not do the same thing at times? So I want to just read you something uh, just for your own edification. It comes from, and you've heard Father Dave and I talk about Memento Mori, um, and this is a um, by by Teresa uh, Noble, Sister Teresa Noble, and she um, speaks of. It's a little bit lengthy, but you, it's it's probably worth it. She says, "Avoidance of suffering is like an anesthesia that puts us into a deep temporary slumber to help us cope with life by avoiding reality. We can sleep through life, whether by drowning suffering with pleasure or pretending suffering doesn't exist." But when we do these things, we miss both the painful and the wondrous. The disciples slept not only before the terror of the Garden of Gethsemane, but also before the wonder of the Transfiguration. To avoid suffering is to avoid the beauty of life. Suffering is a part of life on earth. To suffer is to live. When we avoid suffering, we avoid living. And when we try to avoid a part of living, we end up avoiding life entirely. We embrace death before natural death is so so beautifully written and and really is is a message that we can take with us in lent if we you know last week we were trying to talk about ways to grow in lent and it, embracing suffering is one of them you know yeah. to be able to to not turn away from it and to be engaged in it yeah and i i think um <clears throat> just to kind of get back to our the the you know the point we were making about what we were doing today mm-hmm. you know part of part of not getting numbed out yeah. or falling asleep in life and to find you know those simple ways of embracing the suffering that we're we're going through is by going to confession mm-hmm. um i i think that when when you and i enter into the confessional seeking god's mercy 
we we are taking that moment to kind of embrace the hurt and pain that somebody has caused us mm-hmm. and essentially the hurt and pain that we've caused others be uh, the because of that right um and and asking for that healing and when we when we take that time to act, to sit with that and acknowledge it we are not like what, like we're not like what the what not what Sister uh, Teresa mm-hmm. was was talking about there. We're not falling asleep right. to life. We're we're very much engaging life, and it's so easy to enest ourselves from our own sin, either to rationalize it oh, or not yeah. deal with it. Well, I mean, I've done it many times. I mean, you know, she, you know, we, we're calling it falling asleep through mm-hmm. life, numbing out. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever whatever it takes to avoid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Put it, put any name you want, a label on it that you want on it. It's the uh, same to, thing. To concretize it a little bit, I have a, a two friends, and they're they're married to another. They have a really, really beautiful marriage. They are both faithful. They're they're practicing Catholics in in their worship, but also in their lives. So years ago, they had made a decision as a married couple to move, and in speaking to one of the couple's mothers. And it, it was really the the repetition of behavior that had started. Because the mother didn't want to hear it, she just shut them out. She just kind of shut down yeah. and shut them out. And it's it's heartbreaking to hear the story because as as a parent, I'm thinking to myself, if that was my child that was coming to me, knowing as I know these two people, I would certainly be sorry they weren't going to be in close proximity to me. But moreover, I'd be so thrilled. You know, they're because right. of of the kind of people they've turned out, and and you you can't help you feel bad for this this couple, but you feel really bad for this mother that mm-hmm. doesn't that that can't see the beauty um, that's around it because she just kind of put herself to sleep and and won't deal with it and and is missing and that's why what I like about Sister Teresa she said they're missing the glory, you know, yeah. they're suffering with that. I'm not going to see my child as much, but there's a beautiful glory in it too. They're yeah. doing God's work, right? You know. Right, and and if we don't if we don't take the time to embrace that, yeah. we never see the blessings yeah. that are really wrapped up in the midst of that, mm-hmm. or we don't allow ourselves to uh, to even begin to see the uh, the the blessings unfold because right. we're so consumed on trying to avoid that situation mm-hmm. that in our narrow minded view. There's no way that there could be blessings that come out of that. Because I don't see the blessings. Because I don't see the blessings. Yeah. Right. It's so self-centered, but it's right. It's much easier to see that from the outside than the inside. And as you and I know, as much as it's painful, like it's, it's painful to have to like actually talk about this because you and I know that we, we have to live that reality too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like there are blessings that come uh, out yeah. of it. Like, you know, you and I... Uh, you know, you and I had talked at, 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 at great length last year. Um, and, and, you know, guys like, uh, we had, uh, last year was a very difficult year to be working in the school system. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was a very difficult, uh, situation. And there were a lot of frustrations because there was a lot of red tape and, and there was, and that, but the, that was the, at every school. Absolutely. And the, and the rule changing. Yeah, you know, and and it's not to put the the rule makers in, no in it, it just, they, everything, the, everything everything was, was moving and it was just a frustrating place to be, yeah. especially when you you know you could see the the, the hurt and the pain oh. in the students' eyes. Yeah. Well, on Sunday night, uh, we had the school play here, mm-hmm. and and I was there, 
and a couple of the graduates from last year had oh, come. Oh, nice. And, um, and, and, they, and they had said to me in, in the conversation after we were catching up, uh, they said, uh, Father Dave, we know what you, like, we know what campus ministry did for us last year. Campus ministry was, was really the highlight of our day last year. Huh. Cause we were talking about how it looks different than it did uh, huh. this year than it does last year. And, and they said, but father David, like you need to know that like what you and Mr. Costa and what Miss Madalena did in campus ministry, that, that was the best part of our day. That's what sweet. We did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so like we, we weren't able to perceive those blessings cause we were walking in we the were, midst of that yeah. pain with the kids. Yeah. But to, to be able to get out of that and journey out of that, and now start to hear the blessings because they're not the only ones who had said that. Right, right. Um, it, it, it's the, the blessings are in the struggle. Yeah. They're in the suffering. All, all the time. I found this great quote by Catherine of Siena. I don't remember where I, saw, I found it, but it doesn't really matter. Maybe I gave it to you. It Give probably me was not that, but... <laughs> so Catherine of Siena says, Jesus told her that the sorrow... Um, and sadness and temptations that were in her life were a sign that he remained in her. And that really encapsulates yeah. what we're saying. That's all part of a sign that he was there, and it, it mimics what, what um, Sister Teresa is saying, too. They're all, if you, if you don't deal with suffering, you're not dealing with life. It, it was a reminder that he was at the center of her heart, even among the bad times. Yeah. If... um. If we can kind of put like uh, the cherry on top of, of this particular conversation here for this upcoming gospel, you know, one of the things that uh, the New Testament will always look to Abraham as the, like the model believer in God, right? Um, that like his relationship uh, with, with the father was, was a, a loyal friendship to the Lord that he adhered to the covenants that God had placed before him, that he was that model follower that, uh, that not only other figures in the old Testament, you know, could look at as a, as what it meant to be a follower of Yahweh. But like even Jesus acknowledges that faith that Abraham, uh, uh, placed, uh, that, that, you know, displayed. And for you and I, when, when, um, like, let me just, uh, let me just tell you this. Like it's, un it's understood that he was righteous mm -hmm. and righteousness defined is it like, it indicates a right relationship with God. You know, like one is established in righteousness by putting faith in God's word and by faithfully adhering to his covenants. Right. Um, when you and I, make the, the conscious effort efforts to, to work through our suffering, to try to acknowledge the blessings that are in the midst of the sufferings. When we do our best not to try to sleep through life, even though it might be easier in the moment, that is an act of righteousness. Mm, that's a great point. That is an act of real true like uh, loyal friendship with the Lord. When we try to make those attempts not to numb out, 
uh, and, and sleep through life and through those real difficult moments of the crucifixion, then you and I are living out the faith of Abraham. And just as those, the blessings and the promises that God had promised Abraham came to, to fruition and, and to truth and the amount of blessings, like Abraham couldn't conceive of uh, the possibility of what all the promises would look like. And that's the same for us. You mm-hmm. and I will never be able to truly understand in our life, the amount of blessings that will be heaped upon us if we just stay yeah. faithful mm-hmm. and, and try our best not to fall asleep. It's like there are so many you just can't reap that reward. Probably until the next life when you could see it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Can I just ask you a, a question about the gospel? Your sure. Opinion. So I'll get this right this time. Peter, James, and John with Jesus. They were Jesus's friends. They were friends. <laughs> <laughs> so they were fishermen. Okay. 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 I vaguely oh, remember something about this. Oh, okay. Guys, the scary part is, is he teaches scripture. I teach here. scripture. <laughs> so we. We have them falling asleep. They wake up and they say, Moses and Elijah, what do you think they're thinking when they say, oh, can we get them a tent? <laughs> These guys have come back from the dead. Is it just like they just woke up and, and they're just being polite? I figure if they've traveled through time, maybe tent is not what they need. It's like, There's a Starbucks down the street. Do you want a latte? <laughs> I want to. I want to believe that when the three of them woke up, because I love. I love how they say like they were sleeping. Yeah. Like Luke says, they were sleeping, and then they were fully awake. <laughs> so like I could. I mean, how many times have you been startled to like yeah. full blown? That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking they have to look at each other at this and go, "All right, this is awkward." <laughs> <laughs> and then it gets even more awkward when Peter's like, well, "Let's just build a tent. We'll give him a tent." Yeah. Like. Why does Moses and Elijah need a tent? tent. Yeah. They're dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's how folks, you know, the Bible's not made up because they wouldn't include stuff like that. <laughs> they had to have drove. When they're walking down that mountain, I, I, I'd love to believe that Jesus was just like, yeah, so you, you really made that real <laughs> awkward. <laughs> Peter, you asked him about a tent? Like, <laughs> Dude, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> Yeah, right. And Peter goes, oh, just wait a few years. <laughs> you got to, you can't tell me that they didn't have a good laugh walking down that mountain. I would hope so. I, I, I That's how I like to perceive it and I'm believe it. I'm hoping God's laughing at us now. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, folks, we thank you uh, very much for, as we kind of have gotten through week two and uh, prayers for you this week and your, in your journey. Don't forget on the Facebook Locust and Wild Honey page, we did post a lot of the suggestions that we were talking about last week for ways to make Lent something that could really lead us towards a beautiful Easter. So if you haven't looked at those, please uh, take a look. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. God bless. If you would like to contact Father Dave or me, Please follow us on Facebook at Locusts and Wild Honey. We appreciate your comments on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Please tell us what you think and share with your friends.